are listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. Podcasting to you from the cloudy forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I am currently wondering what in the world I just did. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. <laughs> and from Cascade Locks, Oregon, where we're battling the chemtrails, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Hey, Andrew. I, I've been taking niacin, and uh, my, my my whole body is tingly. What is what is happening? What is, what's going on? Yeah, the that's ni- the... The niatonin. The, the flush experience there. It's, uh, you know, it's it's unique. It is definitely unique. Ever start, since I started listening to you, I haven't wanted to get the jab, and I've wanted to take weird supplements that make me feel tingly. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if that's a side effect of listening to you. Maybe our listeners can respond in kind and, and uh, let us know that if that's how if that's their experience as well after hearing you uh, talk about things. Yeah, yeah, we're... We're working on maybe getting someone on the show who knows what they're talking about to talk oh. about supplements and stuff. But uh, for now, you just have us um, <laughs> spouting advice so poor that it could not ever be construed as medical advice. <laughs> That's the plan. It'll just be so crazy they won't even notice. Like, yeah, nobody will like, come, no, come, come after us. Did anyone really think these guys were doctors? Come on. <laughs> Did anybody really think these guys knew anything about anything? <laughs> so One of them like, claims himself to be a retard every other show. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the Alex Jones performance artist, but just a variation of it. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The greatest few seconds in podcast history. <laughs> my personal awesome, awesome favorite. So, uh, anyway, well, you know, one of, one of the th- besides, um, you know, random supplement takes, uh, we we like to talk about who actually runs the world, being friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. So we've got a couple. <laughs> A couple the, thematic clips to start us off, if you want to yeah, go there. Yeah, no this agenda is, podcast, we'd have a, a jingle. Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. Yeah. Yeah, if someone wants to make it, we'll play it. Heck yeah, let's do this. Uh, let's or just clip out Tim singing it. That'll be good enough. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, for the so first this is, uh, this is an old an old clip. Uh, Cindy McCain. We may have even played this clip on the podcast. It's just, it's a short clip just to set the mood here. It's like everything. Um, you know, we, we, it hides in plain sight. Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. But we had no one that was, no um, uh, legal aspect that would go after him. They were afraid of him. For whatever reason, they were afraid of him. Oh, I have a good idea why they were afraid of him. Oh, yeah, that that legal aspect, you know, just, uh, you know, your husband's a senator, just no one can do anything. Interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. I I love the part where she kind of stops halfway through where she realizes what she just said and that you yep. should, probably shouldn't admit that you knew yep. what a uh, child predator uh, yep. was up to the whole cameraman time. Knows, cameraman notices this too. And zooms in a little bit. But. Zooms in. Yep. Yeah. Completely stops the dual view and zooms right in like, what did you just say? <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. I, you know, if, if I knew what was happening, you know, like the mass, you know, wholesale rape of children on an island, like that's what's undocumented. Like that's documented. The, right. uh, the other stuff's like possible, you know, murders and, and sacrifices in the temple and all that stuff. If I had any idea about that, I, I would figure out a way to, to do something. Yeah. <laughs> even if I'm yeah. just me. And even if that's what takes, you know, that, that's what ends up taking me out. I feel like that's a worthy something to, to try to stop. I yeah. don't know. Maybe and if you're Cindy McCain, advocate for children, powerful U.S. senator's wife, you'd think you'd be able to do something. Yeah, but she couldn't. No. Because and we all knew we all did nothing. Because uh, we... No access to law enforcement as a U.S. senator's wife. Yeah, no, no one will listen to you. So when you say no one would do anything, what you mean <laughs> was you couldn't you find anyone else who was not also implicated. Yeah, or run by people. There's, there's another thing too. It's not always as simple as these people all. Everyone was at Epstein Island and doing the the dirty deeds, but could just be you're funded by a guy that was at epstein island doing the dirty deeds you know and you, you can't really speak out then either like bill gates is your top donor mm, yeah you know, you can't, no x x on the epstein a so th- that brings us to to bill gates uh very natural and thoughtful response to judy woodruff's really softball question i mean she basically asked him the same question that he's been asked previously since his you know post separation media attempted comeback like hey you know you were like buddies with epstein um after he was a convicted child predator like was that a good idea did you did you learn any lessons uh let's see how bill handles this should be fairly easy question was reported at that time uh, that you had a number of meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, who, when you met him 10 years ago, he was convicted of soliciting prostitution from minors. What did you know about him when you were meeting with him, as you've said yourself, uh, in the hopes of raising money? Uh, You know, I had dinners with him. Uh, I regret doing that. He had relationships with uh, people he said, you know, would give to Global Health, which is a uh, interest I have. You know, not nearly enough philanthropy goes in that direction. <laughs> uh, you know, those meetings were were a mistake. They didn't result in uh, what he purported, and I cut them off. You know, that goes back a long time ago now. Uh, there's, you know, so there's nothing new on that. It was reported that you continue to meet with him over several years um, and that, in other words, a number of meetings. Um, what did you do when you found out about his background? Well, and, you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you, for 
anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead, so uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, and you know, the you know, I'm I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy. Very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, that's that's what I get up every day and focus on. Wait, what? When was this? Oh, this is it's a new one. I mean, it's everywhere, but it's a new one. So, uh, PBS NewsHour, Judy Woodruff. So hold on, hold on. I, 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 can you go back to the "Well, he's dead" part and play yeah. like the question leading up to that? Absolutely nothing new on because that. Because she asked him a question about how you know what lessons do you take from it, and his response is to put his hands up in the air and say, "Well, he's dead." So you got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning. Yeah. What does that what does that mean, Tim? Mean what, what it means, Andrew. Let's just say that you and me are in the same uh, you and me are doing this podcast. OK. And then mm-hmm. you get killed for whatever reason or you suicide yourself for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then someone asks me, so what does that teach you about podcasts? And I just say, well, he's dead. So I guess well, I should be careful. Dead. I should yeah, be careful, he doesn't right? even say so. I should be careful. But it's just like it's oh, yeah. Like, so, but but isn't that admitting it? I mean, isn't he like? It feels like I, he's admitting it. Because because in 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 the situation I just said, I say, well, he's dead, so you got to be careful. Think meaning that podcasting may be what leads to my death because you mm-hmm. got killed or suicided. Yeah. So yeah, what lesson did you learn? Well, it, yeah, maybe play that play that part again. Uh, for you, for anyone else looking looking at this. Well, he's dead, so uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, with a laugh, bro. With, like, there's with a, a laugh. laugh in there. Do you hear the laugh? You can oh, see yeah. the laugh. But it, can you and hear a smile, it? a creepy smile, yeah. laugh. Well, you have to be careful. Oh. Who is this? Who is this guy? What, ladies, I mean, we're preaching to the choir. You know, the, everybody listening to this show is not a fan of this dude. And as a matter of fact, I think most of the populations turn on him. But look at this person. Look at this person yeah. in but, a public appearance. Can't. I mean, let's see how he does. Just a softball, softball <laughs> question. She's not like bringing up new stuff. She's talking about what was already reported, and. And she's not even accusing him of anything. <laughs> it looks like he's going to defer to the fact that he's dead. Let's, that's a bold strategy. Let's see how yeah. it works out for him. And, and remember, there was well, yeah, Whitney Webb reporting that shows that it goes back further than 10 years than the Absolutely. admitted to meetings, like long before Bill Gates was hanging with Epstein. So he was... Go. While he was still an employee at Microsoft before he became just on the board, before he retired even from that. But while he was still at Microsoft. And there were other Microsoft muckety-mucks involved with Epstein, too. But. Yeah. Anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead. So, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you know yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy, very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, I, that's that's what I get up every day and focus on. Well, he's dead, so you have to be careful. Is that is you have to be careful? The lesson you learn when someone commits suicide. 
Or no. when someone, you know, I don't know, slipped and fell or was shoved off a cliff or some other cause of death. That it doesn't correlate well with the an actual suicide. Just well, there's, there's another I just thought that was at, interesting. Very interesting. And there's another way to look at it too is like the plan was for him to be dead so that no one had to field these questions anymore. <laughs> so yeah. it's almost like he's a spoiled kid. And they're like, what do you think about Epstein? Well, he's dead. So I well, shouldn't be answering these took, questions. Took like, care of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's over for him. And uh, for these questions, I don't know if you got the memo there, Judy, where do you get your funding from PBS? Yeah. Oh, that's right. The Gates foundation. Yeah. I believe my name is on that. Yeah. So... Yeah. You could tell he's just, steaming at her oh he's irritated absolutely irritated do do you see how many times he looks up into the right and up into the left and his hands keep folding and coming out you know he's he's irritated i mean imagine being like you you money is no object he could have had a pr team had it you know he could have practiced for hours for this exact he doesn't doesn't care bill Bill, yeah. He doesn't, Andrew, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't even want to spend any time on this. One thing I've learned about, you know, pe- one thing I've learned in, in negotiating car deals and luxury cars to people. And the, the one thing I'm really, really good at is reading people. I can mm-hmm. sit in front of someone and read them. And uh, yeah, this person is extremely irritated, also lying and obfuscating the truth. And that's just before he speaks. <laughs> Yeah. That's just, and that's just off a of body language, much less laughing and saying, well, he's dead. So anyway. Yeah. That's <laughs> so the lesson you can learn from having met with a child predator, one of the no- most notorious people in the country, is you have to be careful or you end up committing suicide in prison. Is Correct. that OK? Well, yeah. Logical. Yeah. A la Anthony Bourdain, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Let's, uh, so this clip, and then I've got a story that goes with it about this same sermon. Uh, to be honest, I have not read Francis Schaeffer's Christian Manifesto. It was mm. written 1982, almost 40 years ago now. Uh, but our friend Will did a video that featured uh, part of the sermon that went, you know, along the same lines of, of that book towards the end of his life. He died in 84, I think. And um, Will thought it was good enough to throw in the video. And I, I like this clip here and I think it's relevant, especially relevant to today's times, maybe much more so than people hearing it in 1982 would have thought. So are we off the uh, Friends of Epstein, Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan clip? (laughs) Jingle outro. There you go. (laughs) Are we off that for now? Oh, for now. Uh, Yeah. Might come back. If you got other stuff you want to. Do you have related material? Let's see here. No, no, don't have anything. Okay. Now I come toward the close, and that is we must recognize something from the scripture, and that's why I had that scripture read that I have read tonight. When a government, when a government negates the law of God, it abrogates its authority. God has given certain offices, 
to restrain chaos in this fallen world. But the, it does not mean that these offices are autonomous. And when a government, when a government commands that which is contrary to the law of God, it abrogates its authority. The whole history of the Christian church, and again, I wish people knew their history. At a certain point, it is not only the privilege, but it is the duty of the Christian to disobey the government. Now, that's what the founding fathers did when they founded this country. That's what the early church did. That's what Peter said. You heard it from the scripture. Should we obey man rather than God? That's what the early Christians did. Occasion, no, often. People say to me, but the early church didn't practice any civil disobedience. Didn't they? You don't know your history again. When those Christians that we all talk about so much allowed themselves to be thrown into the arena, when they did that, from their view, it was a religious thing. They would not worship anything except the living God. But you must recognize from the side of the Roman state, there was nothing religious about it at all. It was purely civil. The Roman Empire had disintegrated to the only unity it had was this worship of Caesar. You could be an atheist. You could worship the Zoroastrian religion. You could do anything. They didn't care. It was a civil matter. And when those Christians stood up there and refused to worship Caesar from the side of the state, they were rebels, they were civil in civil disobedience, and they were thrown to the beast. They were involved in civil disobedience. As much as your brothers and sisters in the Soviet Union are night, when the Soviet Union says by law they cannot tell their children, even in their home, about Jesus Christ, and they must disobey, and they get sent off to the mental ward or to Siberia. It's exactly the same kind of civil disobedience that's represented in a very real way by the thing I'm wearing on my lapel tonight. Every appropriate legal and political governmental means must be used. But the final bottom line, I've invented this term in a Christian manifesto and I hope that Christians across this country and across the world will really understand what the Bible truly teaches. The final bottom line, the early Christians Every one of the reformers, and again I'll say a Christian manifesto, I go through country after country and show that there was not a single place with the possible exception of England where the Reformation was successful where there wasn't civil disobedience and disobedience to the state. But we must realize the bottom line, the early Christians, the people of the Reformation, the founding father of this country faced and acted on is the realization that if there is no place for disobeying the government, that government has been put in the place of the living God. In such a case, the government has been made a false God. If there is no place for disobeying a human government, that government has been made God. Caesar, under some name, thinking of the early church, has been put upon the final throne? The Bible's answer is no. Caesar is not to be put in the place of God. And we as Christians in the name of the Lordship of Christ and all of life, we must so think and act on the appropriate level. And if unhappily we come to that place, the appropriate level must also include a disobedience to the state. If you're not doing that and you haven't thought it through, Jesus is not really on the throne.
God is not central. You have made a false God central. Christ must be the final Lord and not society and not Caesar. Now repeat the final sentence again. Christ must be the final Lord and not Caesar and not society. There you go. Man, that was I, really good. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was uh, made me want to read his book. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you so, don't know your church history. the 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 early church never disobeyed, and I've had that same. I'd like I wanted to stand yeah. up and, and say Amen when he said that because yeah, Peter said that straight up in Acts. Should we listen to man? Like what are, What are we doing here? Yeah, no. We, <laughs> we've gotten to a place. Where um, recently Will posted the Archer Pulowski interview, you know, talking about, hey, pastors need to read their Bibles. Like, <laughs> you know, we got to resist. And he's getting pushback in the comments like, oh, you shouldn't post clips from Pulowski. He's he's encouraging rebellion and Christians should not read. Re- not rebel, you know, Romans 13, we got to do what the government says. It's like, no, man, it, you can't reduce the entire Bible to two verses in Romans 13 and ignore Romans 12 and ignore the whole rest of the Bible. You just yeah. can't. And this book of, book of Daniel's out. <laughs> yeah, the entire every Old Testament prophet, every yep. the entire book of Acts, yeah. you know, this is. <laughs> It's cowardice. Um, it's cowardice disguising itself and claiming to be obedience. It's got nothing to do with Christianity. It's people that want to go along to get along and don't want to take a risk. And they think if they just comply, this will all go away and get better, and everything will be fine. And it won't be fine. It will either we we will either peacefully. And but forcefully, as far as, you know, firmly with with absolute resolution and no compromise, we'll either say no to the medical tyranny, security state, all of it, or we'll end up in the gulags like the Soviet Union people who (laughs) and, you know, if there's few enough of us that stand up, we probably will end up in the gulags even if we resist it. But at at this point in history, there's still enough people that know the truth that if everyone refused to go along with it, you know, we could have a a reprieve. Um, Not looking good like that'll actually happen, but it's still at least a possibility at this point. Yeah. Where do I even start on this? Um yeah, yeah. The more you read the Bible, the more you realize that there's a lot of people not obeying the government in in <laughs> within the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had this conversation with my dad actually yesterday. We were talking. It was kind of it was not really related to to the stuff we're we're thinking of today. It was more just related to like you know uh, business dealings and you know filing your taxes and kind of stuff like that. And uh, you know we both kind of talked about how it was. I, I brought up to him that, it, yeah, sure, you know, when they asked him, 
should you render under Caesar? He did, but he he also kind of made a practical joke out of it. He didn't like, hey, let's pull it out of my pocket. He literally like <laughs> pointed at somebody. Was like, you go down to the water, catch a fish, pull right. it up to the top. Once you get it open, cut it open. In there's gonna be a coin. Give it to this guy. <laughs> my dad was like, can you imagine if you were standing there when he said that? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna do what to pay me? <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, it's the comfort, man. It's the mm-hmm. comfort. We've had a great life, right? We really yeah, have. I mean, <laughs> we've had a great life. You and I have had a great life in, uh, I think, most of the people in the United States and even maybe in most of the Western countries in the world have had a really good life. And there's been so much comfort and there's been so much uh, and, uh, like knowledge available at our fingertips and so much just, you know, just it's not that hard. It makes it easy. There's some stresses. There's some hard, you know, the bills and the debt and the stuff like that's been really hard. But overall, our life has been pretty easy. And so now it's like, hey, would you like to face this hardship or, you know, would you like to just do what we say? And so people, a lot of people are just like, you know, I think I'll just do what you guys say. Yeah, it's, and, it's always worked out in the past, right? <laughs> yeah, it, but I've actually come to a point, Andrew, where I'm not even mad at him. I'm not even mad yeah. at the people that are going along with it. I don't, I feel bad for him. I really do. And it seems like there's a lot of them up here in the Northwest and on the coasts. You know, it just, you know, the, they're just kind of going along, hoping, hoping that it ends soon. And, you know, I don't want to do this, but, you know, if it hopefully, you know, they hopefully it stops the you know pandemic and the lockdowns and all that stuff. And then just kind of go along with it. And I'm not even mad at him anymore. I, I just, just I'm, I'm pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is an honest, real feeling. You know, mad is kind of the overcoat of feelings. It's easy to, to feel, and it's the easiest one for me to default to. But it's just, it's just where people are. And uh, it's too bad. It's too bad. But uh, yeah, I don't. Hopefully, I'm not like Peter the night before. Like I would never deny you, and sitting over here, like I'll never, you know, kowtow or to fall to this thing. And then I do three times tonight, but at the same time, I, I don't, I don't plan on it. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I don't well, think the, the Lord has that in mind for me. And you know, I feel really strongly about it. Like, it's not just like me giving up and getting the shot. It's like legitimately, and this sounds kind of high and lofty and, and maybe, you know, too pie in the sky, but I, I don't think it's far from the truth. But if I submit to injecting something in my body that I don't want now, there's no hope for my kids or my kid grandkids. No, because that I've given that up. Yeah. Unless I resist now, there's no hope for the future people, future yeah. generations. Imagine two years ago saying, within two years, we're going to be making tough decisions on whether to go along with vaccine mandates, and there will be open, uh, you know open staffing calls for for camps to put the the forced quarantine people in and you know there'll be dragon pastors down the street in canada for having church services and they'll be shooting people you know uh construction workers with rubber bullets in in, in australia oh. uh for for not abiding by the the lockdowns right and, and not staying home and like they were supposed saying to. you shouldn't be outside watching the sunset yeah, you sh- you shouldn't be, you know. I mean, it was it was hard to imagine, and there was a certain element where it's like, man, do we even know that we're real Christians? Because real Christians always deal with persecution. If you look at yeah. church history, 
and that's that's where a lot of our show is focused on is like man we're we're believing lies we're falling for propaganda and we're just so far away and in a lot of ways this this is a blessing the um you know the clearing of the fence you can't be on the fence anymore you'll either be uh, committed to one side or the other and accept those consequences. So um, one quick thing you talked about, Peter, and the the denial of Christ, and that's kind of an episode I've thought about quite a bit. And I think that Peter was legit ready to fight. Right? Yes, yes. Like if Jesus is like, hey. He cut someone's ear off. Like he yeah. was, he, was re- he was ready to die. He was die. ready to yes. to die fighting. Yes. He was not ready to to let Jesus give himself up and be crucified though. Mm. Cuz he he's still thinking like like you're going to be king, like earthly king right. and we're, you know, we got your back. We're going to take Rome down. We know you can do it even though there's you know, we're way outnumbered and it looks impossible. I, you know, he believed that Jesus could do it and Jesus could have done that. But that was, he was actually doing something much bigger than that. And so that was the, you know, we talked about Peter betraying Christ, but it was the false image of the Messiah that Peter had that was betraying Peter, you know, Mm. that, yeah. And that's that's why he denied him. He's like, no, I, I didn't sign up for this. What's going on? Like, why aren't you letting me fight? Why aren't you fighting back? Like, call down the angels. Start. <laughs> let's, let's go. Start, yeah, let's you start. Know? Take, yeah. Let's start the war. Yeah. And he, he didn't get it. And But once he got it, you know, this is the same Peter that ended up writing part of the new Testament, uh, going all over the world, suffering in prison and ended up crucified. Uh, not the same way as Christ. He said he wasn't worthy of that. He was crucified upside down. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Ready to fight is, uh, different than ready to lay down and die. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's always an, an interesting part. So I wanted to read, I've, this is a new site, to me, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, maybe our listeners have. Uh, With all wisdom, and then the subline is truth applied. And this article from earlier this year um, by Derek Brown, it's time to read Francis Schaeffer's Christian Manifesto again. And I'll just read part of it, and people should check out the whole article. But uh, Francis Schaeffer, 1912-1984, penned a Christian Manifesto 40 years ago. Providentially, the book came at the end of Schaefer's life. He died of cancer just three years later. It was nevertheless fitting that Schaefer would conclude his full-length writing efforts with the Christian Manifesto. The book was the final logical step in his apologetic writing project that he had started over 20 years prior with the publication of The God Who Is There. In the introduction, Schaefer regarded the Manifesto as the natural out- outgrowth of the books which have gone before Schaefer had become convinced that major portions of the Christian church, in response to a cultural narrative grounded in naturalism, i.e. Darwinism, had retreated into a brand of fundamentalist Christianity that saw no place for cultural engagement and often lacked love for unbelievers, or into a form of pietistic devotion that viewed religion primarily in terms of personal experience rather than publicly verifiable truth. 
He labored, therefore, in his personal ministry and in his public speaking and writing to help Christians recapture a more biblical, intellectually robust view of the faith. Genuine faith in Christ was never an existential leap in the dark. No, because Christianity is the truth, belief in the gospel rests on realities that actually occurred in time and space. The God of Christianity is really there, so his word is objectively true for all people at all times. The gospel is to be received by the whole person. The mind embraces the truth as ultimate reality, and the heart enjoices in that truth with the mind, which the mind had come to know as certainty. According to Schaefer, the reason why Christianity as a worldview was being rejected by a growing segment of Western society was not because it was false, but because it was being supplanted by an alternative view of reality that made biblical faith appear worse than implausible. Darwinian evolution was supported by a naturalistic worldview that rejected theism as it, at its philosophical starting point. Within a naturalistic framework, Christianity by definition couldn't be true. Schaefer believed that Christians needed to challenge the prevailing Darwinian narrative by showing where naturalism not only failed to account for uh, and ground the basic elements of our human experience, meaning, truth, love, freedom. It also, for that reason, led to a degrading of human life. Think abortion, think eugenics, think, you know, I mean, um, so anyway, the, the whole article's good and should be read and... Hey, if someone, you know, this worked last time. I got an interesting book in the mail. So if someone wants to send me a copy of a Christian manifesto, I will I will read it. But, <laughs> but uh, this, is my, this is my new um, very grassroots bookstore. Like, look on your shelf. Do you have this book? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's, that's the secret to podcasting. You just start asking people <laughs> to send you stuff that's on their shelf that they're not yeah. using. Yeah. So, anyway, that I thought that was good. Um, it was an old clip about an old book, but very relevant, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. I like that, too. Well, is it? do you have anything you want to talk about before the weekly Andrew Hoffman scares everybody about the vaccine section of the show? (laughs) Well, let me play two clips that can head us into that. All right. So this came from, uh, it's actually got sent to us by our friend Will uh, last week. I think they actually did play it on No Agenda, and we had it last week, but I forgot to play it. And I think that everyone should definitely know that this took place. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, was established in the 1970s to inspect workplaces and establish standards to prevent industrial accidents. But starting this summer, the Biden administration gave OSHA a new role. Joe Biden told OSHA to start hiding information from the public to promote the COVID vaccine. Until this summer, OSHA required employers to retain records of any worker who suffered a serious side effect from the vaccine. Then in June, OSHA's guidance suddenly changed to this, quote, OSHA will not enforce federal recording requirements that require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination. That was a major change especially since we're still learning so much about these vaccines and their possible side effects. Just hours ago, for example, the Telegraph in Britain reported that, quote, 
teenage boys are six times more likely to suffer from heart problems from the vaccine than be hospitalized from COVID-19. And in Israel, where more than 80% of adults are vaccinated, COVID cases are spiking. Israel now has one of the world's highest daily infection rates. So what explains that? In his remarks to the nation, Joe Biden didn't answer that. Instead, he put OSHA, the same agency that's been hiding evidence of vaccine side effects, in charge of forcing millions of Americans to take the COVID vaccine. Joe Biden didn't even bother to ask Congress. He said the new mandate is justified because COVID is a, quote, emergency. Then he walked away without taking questions once again. But let's look at the facts. On average, more than 98% of COVID-19 patients in the United States survive. That number is well over 99% for every age group, except for the very elderly, whether they're vaccinated or not. I thought that was a pretty uh, damning clip for the Biden administration. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If there's anybody out there who still thinks like this is misguided people trying to protect us from COVID, uh, it it should be pretty hard to hold that view at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, especially if you listen to this show. Um, and then this one was kind of everywhere last week. I probably should have played it then. But this is the uh, physician and the marketing director uh, directly talking about, hey, we got to make uh, we got to scare everybody. We got to scare everybody a little more. <laughs> um, the dashboard and how it's set up myself as far as how we get information out to the community on meaningful numbers, we do oh. that on a weekly basis. So that's on our website and we've been sharing that through social channels as well, particularly those graphics that show the number of patients in house, the percentage of them that are unvaccinated, the percentage of unvaccinated people in the ICU and the percentage of deaths and the numbers. So those are numbers that we put out as far as we don't get into details of floor. Or right. Those other numbers are certainly out there. Right. I, I guess my feeling at this point in time is maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public. Then there's another comment, as I completely agree, there are many people still hospitalized that we're considering post-COVID, but we're not counting in those numbers. So how do we include those post-COVID people in the numbers of the patients we have in the hospital? So is that all the people who have been in the hospital since the beginning of COVID? Well, or that are still in it, and that's something that I can take to someone else, but I think those are important numbers, like patients that are still in the hospital, that are off the COVID floor, but still are occupying the hospital for a variety of reasons. Okay. Carolyn, we call those, I'm sorry, we, we're calling those recovered now. If you look at yeah. the Navant Health dashboard, they're listed as recovered, but I do think it from our standpoint, we would still consider them a COVID patient because they're still healing. Yeah. So I think that that needs to be highlighted as well. Yeah. Because once they're off isolation, they drop from the COVID numbers. That's exactly right. Kellen, we can talk offline and yeah. how we run that up to marketing. Right. So I was going to say, Carolyn, I think we have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. We have to say something coming out. 
you know, you don't get vaccinated, you know, you're going to die. I mean, let's just, let's just be real. So we have the Biden administration scaring OSHA and not releasing all the data to the American public. And then we have, you know, different organizations within. So this is like a local advisory hearing um, mm-hmm. yeah. in North Carolina, I believe, where they're trying to conspire to make it scarier, to scare more people into getting the vaccinations because their whole goal end goal is to just make sure everybody's vaccinated. And then um, to top it all off, we had the eight hour meeting last week of all of these different physicians who have called in with concerns uh, to this conference call to the FDA. And this was on the, it still is on the FDA's official YouTube channel, a open discussion. Yeah, many this was people the who, open comment period. So, so yes, some people so, got to, uh, Steve Kirsch did some stuff. I don't know if that's the clip you're playing, but. I'm about um, to play it. I was about okay. to play it. So these are people calling in to 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 bring data and slides in an open conference call with the FDA. This is on the FDA's official uh, YouTube channel. I, j- I just wanted to throw in there while you're finding that, Tim, that mm-hmm. um, two or three episodes ago in the show notes, there's a whole like two hour presentation from Steve Kirsch. So if someone wants to hear more that's it's in our show notes from from a pretty recent episode absolutely and also i wanted to say this because we had a listener who we recommended corbett we recommended chris white we recommended all these, and they didn't know who chris white was so i told him first by verse bible teaching chris white the original uh algorithm hidden entity on the internet ancient aliens debunk.com <laughs> ancient aliens Debunked.com. This is an opportunity, Tim, for you to point people to our show notes, and you will put something in there where they can get to Chris White. Exactly. This this is very possible. There'll be links to to Chris White's Ancient Aliens Debunked and other websites in the show notes to this show. Yeah. AncientAliensDebunk.com. We should know it because at the bottom on the right, there's a. Oh, look at that! That's nice. You see this? You didn't know about this? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> didn't realize that. Yeah. Thank yep. you, Chris. He's got a yep. link to our website. Yep. yep. Chris. 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 Chris is the man. So anyway, uh, Steve Kirsch. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts. Uh, advance to slide number four with the elephant. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. Theirs shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. Few people notice that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. Death rates, um, uh, let's slide number seven, advance uh, to the number seven in lower part. This shows that the all-cause uh, death light rate in, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. 
even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now, the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save. And I, won't, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90-plus-year-olds where we went to, we went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Slide number 16, please, myocarditis. Uh, the paper just posted yesterday on MedArchive entitled MRNA COVID-19 Vaccination and Development of CMR Confirmed Myopericarditis shows that the myopericarditis risk was one in a thousand. And that's an overall age range from 16, 18 to 65, mean age of 33. It is not inconsistent with what the bear shows. Next slide would be slide number 18, gaming of the trial. It's pretty clear that the Pfizer trial results were gained. It's statistically impossible for protocol violations to be five times higher in the treatment group. Why hasn't this been investigated? Slide number 19. Uh, Maddie DeGray was, was 12 when she enrolled in the Pfizer phase three trial for kids. Now she's paralyzed for life. It wasn't reported by it in the uh, Pfizer results. I told Janet Woodcock, there was no investigation. Please tell us why this was not why this fraud was not investigated and finally um slide number 20 please um early treatments are a much better alternative to boosters uh, the proof is that in israel cases are at an all-time high in india uttar pradesh is now covid 19 free as of today almost nobody there is vaccinated thank you there you go it. And it worked. They sort of slowed down the booster recommendation. They'll start with 65 plus. <laughs> so cynical. So cynical, Andrew. Well, I mean, if, if you're a person of good faith and you're the decision maker and you hear that, do you sign off on boosters for anyone after that? No. No. This is, and the controversy was uh, them not recommending boosters to everyone, you know, because they're trying to keep it from you. Go out and get your booster anyway. You, there's nothing to keep people from getting a third dose. And trust me, people are. Love it. So uh, I wanted to read, read something else, too, because I remember your thought on this. So give me your feedback when I read this. Okay. Uh, the meaning of the FDA resignations. How significant is it that the top two FDA officials responsible for vaccine research resigned last week and this week signed a letter in The Lancet that strongly warns against vaccine boosters? This is a remarkable sign that the project of government managed, of government managed virus mitigation is in the final stages before falling apart. 
The booster has already been promoted by top lockdown advocates Neil Ferguson of Imperial College and Anthony Fauci of the NIH, even in the face of rising public incredulity toward their expert advice. For these two FDA officials to go on record with grave doubts, and their perspective is certainly backed by the unimpressive booster experience in Israel, introduces a major break in the narrative that the experts in charge deserve our trust and deference. What's at stake here? It's all about more than the boosters. It's about the whole experience of taking away the control of health management from individuals and medical professionals and handing it over to modelers and government officials with coercive power. From the first week of March 2020, the U.S. embarked on a wild experiment in virus mitigation, deploying a series of measures with a sweep and scope that had never previously been attempted. Not in, men, not in, moder, not in modern times and not even in ancient times. The litany of controls and tactics is long. Many of these measures survive in most parts of the United States. The retail landscape is still filled with plexiglass. We are still invited to sanitize ourselves when going indoors. People still mask up in proximity to others. The Karens of the world are still actively shaming and denouncing anyone suspected of non-compliance. The vaccine push has been particularly divisive with President Joe Biden actively encouraging anger at those who don't get the jab, even as he refuses to acknowledge the existence of infection-induced immunities. In several cities, people who refuse vaccines are being denied active participation in civil life, and populist movement is rising up that the scapegoats, the refusal nicks, are the reason that the virus continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. That, All that's these actively me- encouraged by the media and the government. I've got a clip related to that too but yeah got it all these measures were deployed in waves of controls it all began with an event uh with event cancellations and school closures it continued with travel bans most of which are still in place sanitization and plexiglass were next masks were rolled out then mandated the principle of forced human separation governed social interactions capacity limits indoors were a common feature and the u.s example in inspired many governments around the world to adopt these NPIs, non-pharmaceutical interventions, and take away the liberties of people. At each stage of control, there were claims that we finally found the answer, the new technique that would finally slow and stop the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Nothing worked. As the virus seemed to follow its own course regardless of all the measures, indeed there was no observable difference anywhere in the world based on uh, anywhere in the world based on whether and to what extent any of these measures were deployed. Finally came the pharmaceutical interventions, voluntary at first, but gradually became mandatory. Just as with each previous protocol began as a recommendation until it was mandated. At no point in these 19 months have we seen a clear admission of failure on the part of the government officials. Indeed, it has mostly been the opposite, as the agencies doubled down claiming effectiveness while citing no data or studies, while social media companies backed it all by taking down contrarian posts and brazenly deleting accounts of people who dare cite dissenting science. The vaccine was the biggest gamble of all, simply because the program was so expensive, so personal, and so wildly oversold. Even those of us who opposed every other mandate had hopes that the vaccine would finally end the public panic and provide governments as a way to, to back out of all the other strategies that they had failed. That did not happen. Most people believed that the vaccine would work, like many others before them, to block infection and spread. In this, people were merely believing that they heard from the CDC. Our data from the CDC today shows uh, suggests that vaccinated people do not carry the virus and don't get sick, Rochelle Walensky told Rachel <laughs> Maddow. And that's just not in the clinical trials. It's also real world, world data. Oh, you're it not, is. Huh. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations, President Joe Biden said, reflecting on this as a common view in the summer of 2021. 
That, of course, turned out not to be the case. The vaccines appeared to have been helpful in mitigating against some severe outcomes, but did not achieve victory over the virus. Israel's surge in infections in August was among the fully vaccinated. The same happened in the UK and Scotland, and that precise result began to hit the US in September. Indeed, we all had vaccinated friends who caught the virus and were sick for days. Meanwhile, team natural immunity has received a huge boost from a large study in Israel that demonstrated that recovered COVID cases gained far more protection than if conferred by the vaccine. The fallback position then became the booster. Surely this is the answer. Israel was first to mandate them. Here again, the problems began to show as yet another magic bullet of disease mitigation failed. Then the inevitable headline came. Israel preparing for a possible fourth COVID vaccine dose. So think about this, because there is a sense in which the vaccines rank among the biggest failures. In a matter of a few short months, we've gone from the claim that they fully protect you to they are pretty okay, provided you get regularly scheduled boosters forever. Now to the, <laughs> now to the striking resignation of two top officials, uh, at the FDA who were in charge of vaccine safety and administration. It was the director and deputy director of the Office of Vaccines Research, Marion Gruber and Philip Kraus. Philip Kaus. Uh, they, have no, they gave no reason for the departure, which is scheduled for October and November. The case is fascinating because one, people rarely resign from cushy government jobs unless a higher paying, higher prestige job in the private sector awaits, or they are being pushed out. It's rare for anyone in a position like this to resign over a principled matter of science. When I first read that they were going, I figured something else was up. These days, extremely weird things are going on within the Biden administration. Even though his approval ratings are sinking, the president has to pretend that he has all the answers and all the science behind his mandates. And virus war is very universally settled. That anyone who disagrees with him is really a political enemy. He has gone as far as to denounce, demonize, and legally threaten red state governors who disagree with him. This is a deep problem for actual scientists working within the bureaucracy because they know for sure that all this pretense that the government cannot win this war on the virus. They simply cannot preside over more false promises, especially when especially when the whole of their professional training is about assessing the safety and effectiveness of vaccines. So what can they do? In this case, it appears that they they had to get away before they dropped the bombshell. The bombshell is called Considerations in Boosting COVID-19 Vaccine Immune Responses. It appears in a prestigious uh, medical journal, The Lancet. The two top officials are among the authors. The article recommends against the COVID booster shot that uh, the Biden administration, following Fauci's advice, is suggesting is the key to making vaccines work better and finally fulfill their promise. Fauci and company are pushing boosters because they know what is coming. Essentially, we are trying to go the way of Israel. Most everyone is vaccinated, but the virus itself is not being controlled. More and more among those hospitalized and dying are vaccinated. The same trend is coming to the U.S. The boosters are a means by which the government can save face, or so they many believe. The trouble is now that top scientists in the FDA disagree. Further, they think that the push for boosters is courting problems. They think the current regime of one or two shots is working as well as one can expect. Nothing is gained on met. Uh, excuse me, nothing is gained on net from a booster, they say. There just isn't enough evidence to take the risk of another booster, and then another, and then another. The authors knew this was article was appearing, and they knew that signing it under the FDA affiliation would lead to a push for resignations. Life would get very difficult for both of them. They got ahead of the messaging and resigned before it came out, which was very smart. The signed article even goes further to warn of the possible downsides. 
They pointed out the boosters might seem necessary because variants expressing new antigens have evolved to the point at which human responses to the original vaccine antigens no longer protect adequately against currently circulating viruses. At the same time, there are possible side effects that could discredit all the vaccines for a generation or more. There could be risks, they write. If boosters are widely introduced uh, too soon or too frequently, especially with vaccines that can have immune uh, mediated side effects such as myocarditis, which is more common than the second dose of the uh, more common after the second dose of some mRNA vaccines, or Guillain-Barr syndrome, which has been associated with the adenovirus uh, vectored COVID-19 vaccines. Bringing up such side effects is essentially a taboo topic. That was written by two top FDA officials is nothing short of remarkable, especially because it comes at a time when the Biden administration is going all in on mandates. Meanwhile, studies are showing that for teenage boys, the vaccine poses a greater risk to them than COVID itself. For boys 16 to 17 without comorbidities, the rate of uh, CAE, uh, which I think stands for um, cardiac adverse event. There you go. Is currently 2.1 to 3.5 times higher than their 120-day COVID-19 hospitalization risk, and 1.5 to 2.5 times higher at a week of weekly COVID-19 vaccination, or excuse me, COVID-19 infection, hospitalization. Almost done. From the beginning of these lockdowns, along with all the masks, mandates, and restrictions, bogus health advice uh, from plexiglass to sanitizer to universal mandates and so on, it was clear that there would someday be hell to pay. They wrecked liberties, uh, rights, liberties, crushed economies, traumatized a whole generation of children and other students, ran roughshod over religious freedom, and for what? There is zero evidence that any of this has made every, any difference. We are surrounded by the carnage they created. The appearance of the Lancet article by two FDA vaccine scientists is truly devastating and revealing because it undermines the last plausible tool to save the whole machinery of government disease management that has been deployed at such enormous social, cultural, and economic costs for the last 19 months. Not in our lifetime has a policy failed so badly. The intellectual and political implications here are monumental. It means that the real COVID crisis, the task of assigning responsibility for collateral damage, has just begun. In 2006, during the early years of the birth of Uh, lockdown ideology. The great epidemiologist Donald Henderson warned that if these restrictive measures were deployed for a pandemic, the result would be a loss of trust in government and a manageable epidemic could become, excuse excuse me, a manageable epidemic could move toward catastrophic. Catastrophic Excuse me. Catastrophe. Yeah, catastrophe is exactly what has happened. The current regime wants to point the finger towards the non-compliant, and that is no longer believable. They cannot delay the inevitable for much longer. Responsibility for this catastrophe belongs to those who embarked on this political experiment in the first place. That person is much more optimistic than me. <laughs> that's your that's your feedback on it. No, I, it was a very good article, and I agree with most of it. If, if anything, it doesn't go far enough. You sure. know, it still is propagating the idea that this is somehow an accident or like genuine disagreement between good-hearted people. Um, but the idea that you know this whole thing's falling apart and <laughs> there will be any sort of accountability, I will believe it when I see that and the thousands of sealed indictments. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of sealed indictments in uh, uh, Citadel covering the GameStop uh, shorts. I mean, if we're 
we're, we're, you know, you, there's multiple ways of looking at it, but my hope is not in Marion Gruber, of all people. <laughs> and and I think I think the disagreement is like, hey, we've got this vaccine scam that's been working great. It's a cash cow. Everyone, you know, we can write off these crazies. And if we push it too far, people are going to start asking questions about other vaccines. Wait, maybe I don't want to inject my kid with dozens of vaccine doses by the time they're two. You know, maybe maybe they don't need the flu shot every year. So well, that's right. I sent you that article, didn't I? They, this is, you know, it's pro-vaccine people quibbling with each other like, hey, don't don't screw up the whole apple cart by pushing these booster, thing, booster things. You know, we can still, we've got it under control. We can still lie and say everyone's crazy that, um, you know, is claiming these bad effects from vaccines. And if you let the boosters happen and if you, I think if you put the mandates out there and you start vaccinating people that don't want to be that don't want to be vaccinated, there's going to be more pushback from that. And the fact that they're moving ahead with it makes you wonder if that isn't exactly what they want. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to be said for that. So but, I guess uh, I preluded it. I, 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 I gently led us into Andrew Hoffman scaring everybody to death with uh, his new vaccine research uh, segment of the show. So, <laughs> So we, I, we, but before ahead. we get to that, a quick, uh, a quick interjection to that goes with your article. Um, play the third to the last thing in my folder. The last uh, Twitter link: Education Minister Dominic Cardi. To be a response at some point. We have to say that there's going to be a response by the vaccinated, by the enormous majority who've done the right thing, and that there's going to be a decline in tolerance for those who, for whatever reasons, endanger the lives of the people around them. That's about where I am right now. At some point. Okay. So that doesn't sound grassroots to me. That sounds like a government talking head encouraging people. This is all the unvaccinated fault. Go ahead and go attack them. That's what it sounds like to me. So yeah. that's just that is being where's pushed. This, you where's know, this with, clown from? Dominic uh, Canada. Yeah. Oh, shocking. But the, you know, we've got Canada the talking great heads job. on cable news doing the same thing. The Don Lemons and everyone else, you know, hey, it's the unvaccinated fault, and they they need to. They can't be a part of society. Everything would be back to normal, even though there's. No, like, scientific reason to say everything would be back to normal if more people took the vaccine that doesn't work. You know, it's like, didn't work for the people that took it. Why is it going to work for the people who haven't taken it? Um, but let's get to this article. So, oh, okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I, I don't understand. It's, it's it, this is they've studied history, right? They've studied uh, human, you know, behavior because you just keep promising you're gonna things will get better if you do this, and then it yeah. never does. For the people that have bought in, they can tell them anything at this point, and they are. They're telling them patently absurd things, and people are 100% buying it. Yep, 
oh, you you told us we'd never get COVID if we got the vaccine and we're getting COVID, but it's okay because it, it, the effects aren't bad. And like, okay, yes, it seems like all the hospitalized people are people who were vaccinated, but... But see, that's, know, not, that's not what they're feeding people. They're feeding people that they're unvaccinated because they're not right. fully... Because of the 14-day thing. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. know that, but the average person on turn on the television doesn't. Right. So that's reaffirming. Just the, a- anecdotally... You know, people all are looking around like, well, it was the unvaccinated person, but it's the unvaccinated person's fault. They're they're somehow reaching that conclusion because that's what they're being told. You know, media, social media, government, it's all pushing the same narrative that it's the anti-vaxxers fault. Um, So this just in case you're thinking like. You know, are the vaccines really that bad? Like, come on. Come on, Tim. Come on, Andrew. It's not that bad, right? These guys know what they're doing. This is, these are the biggest, most powerful companies in the world. Surely they wouldn't take the the risk of putting something out there with obvious design flaws. So this article uh, comes from the Eden, E-H-D-E-N, substack, uh, Eden Biber. I could be saying his name wrong. I apologize. Uh, Coptigate, the worst design flaw in human history that is impacting your health. How come Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Janssen, etc. are using a technology that both they and the regulators know that no will cause unknown results? Let's start with the thought experiment. If an engineering flaw exists and no one measures it, can it really injure people or kill them? Making a new vaccine is hard. Making a new vaccine that uses a new technology is even harder because you need to prove safety. Luckily, when it comes to COVID, the vaccines have been tested and shown to be safe, right? Well, they might have forgotten one thing. Trying to tell your body to generate proteins is hard for many reasons. One of them is the fact that when you try to run the protein information via ribosomes, which which process that code and generate the protein, it can be very slow or get stuck during the process. It's got a diagram here that... Uh, could be helpful, you know, it, you, don't, you don't have to follow everything that I'm reading. Um, you'll get the general idea. But if you want to go actually look at it, the link will be in the show notes and the diagrams are helpful. So uh, luckily, scientists found a way to overcome this problem by doing code substitution. Instead of using the original genetic code to generate the protein, they changed the letters in the code so the code would be Quote, optimized. This is known as codon optimization. Codons are three nucleotides. Nucleotides are the building blocks of your DNA. Here's an example of codon optimization. 60% of the codons were altered. 22% of the nucleotides were altered. And yet the end result is that the ribosomes generate the same protein. Same protein? Well, not so much. In 2011, Nature Medicine magazine published an article called Breaking the Silence. It described how codon optimization, which uses the synonymous DNA changes, can trigger disease in a number of ways. Turns out that the protein, which was manufactured when codon optimization has different ways it folds in a different 3D shape, and it could cause immunogenicity, genicity, yeah, for example, which wouldn't be seen until late-stage clinical trials or even after approval. 
right? The change form could, um, this statement relates to the normal approval cycle. The COVID vaccines went via an accelerated one. Codon optimization can lead to alterations in protein conformation and function and increased immunogenicity. Some of these elements can alter protein folding and lead to changes in protein conformation and post-translational modifications. Protein misfolding has been linked with the neurodegeneration in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and many other pathologies. Okay. So this goes along, and I'll take a quick aside from the article. We've talked about it many times, the fact that Moderna never gets a product to market, even though they've been around 15 years. And it's because everything looks good, you know, like we got this mRNA technology and we'll change the code and we'll get rid of this thing that, you know, is causing problems and we'll put this other thing in and it's fine. And then when they do animal trials, it kills all the animals because it causes a host of different other problems. And so they can never get it through all the stages they need to get it approved. But it solved and, the first problem. So, <laughs> but it may, have, it may have solved the pr- first problem, yeah. It's effective. Safe and so, effective. This is also, I think, relevant when we talk about glyphosate, because glyphosate mimics a particular protein, and I don't have the the book in front of me to give all the details on that. We've talked about it before, but your body thinks it's seeing one thing when really it's glyphosate, and then that can actually get passed on genetically um, from, you know, mother to child and so we're making people that are more allergic to stuff have all these issues um the vaccines are part of it the gmo foods are part of it the pesticides are part of it all of it is is part of the same stew but for these you know there we're talking about one protein um well i'll I'll get back to the article because it it talks about how many potential different things they're screwing with, with with this mRNA vaccine. So the data confirmed that protein, and all these quotes are from medical papers, and there's links to those papers in the article. So the data confirmed that, that protein misfolding re- resulting in intracellular PAO accumulation is sufficient to cause cardiomyocyte death and heart failure. Hmm. That couldn't be what's happening now, could it? So if it is problematic, why do manufacturers use it? Because higher levels of protein expression are required for clinical trials and commercialization, and these expression levels can sometimes be obtained by using codon optimization. Pfizer is the most aggressive in their genetic code optimization, as far as we know. Just read the abstract from BN2162B2 vaccine. Possible codons misreading errors in protein synthesis and alternative splicing anomalies. The abstract for that paper. I'll read the part that they highlighted. Uh, The problem is the heavy alteration of the mRNA. Uracil is replaced to fool the immune system with, and then it has a symbol there, pseudo Rhydine, the letters of all codon triplets are replaced by a C or a G to extremely increase the speed of protein synthesis, replacement of some amino acids with proline, addition of a sequence 3-UTR with unknown alteration. 
These impairments could cause strong doubts about the presence of codon usage errors and eventual mistranslation has consequences on the pathophysiology of a variety of diseases. In addition, mRNA injected is a pre-mRNA, which can lead to multiple mature mRNAs. These are alternative splicing anomalies, direct source of serious long-term harm on, on the human health. In essence, what will be created may not be identical with protein S spike, just an error in translational decoding. Codon's misreading production of different amino amino acids than proteins to cause serious long-term damage to human health. Despite the fact that the DNA is not modified, being instead in the cell nucleus and not in the cytoplasm where the modified mRNA arrives. However, in this case, the correlation between speed of synthesis and protein expression with synthesis errors, as well as the mechanism that could affect the translation of the sequence remain obscure. Many trials have not yet been performed. So that came from the abstract of a paper um, talking about the Pfizer product in particular. It says, do they mention it to the regulator? No. Here's the Pfizer BNT162B2 Comirnaty Risk Management Plan for the EMA. Variant, it's interesting that they're called variants. Uh, variant V8 and V9 were tested. Only difference was codon optimization. V8 had elevated levels of gamma, glutamyl, transferase, GTT. V9 didn't. All right, so two different versions of the same vaccine or variants of the same vaccine. And everything that was used was the same, but it came out differently. Kind of interesting there. Um, I don't know if that relates to why the Comirnaty product was approved, but they're really using the other one for actual distribution. And no idea. Um, I'll skip down a little bit. So Pfizer admits codon optimization can lead to elevated GTT and elevated G GGT is linked to increased risk to a multitude of diseases and conditions, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and all-cause mortality. Even though Pfizer admits codon optimization impacts the safety of the product, safety pharmacology, genotoxicity, and carcinogenesis, Basically, cancer-causing studies have not been uh, causing cancer have not been conducted in accordance with the 2005 WHO vaccine guideline. How did they manage to avoid testing those things? Well, we know <clears throat> they sped it all up, got emergency approval, and then when it came to FDA approval, the FDA said your study Pfizer was so good we don't even have to have the vaccine board take a look at it. We'll just approve it. So I, there's more to dig into it. If you're interested, you might not be. Um, but if there's <laughs> the idea that they've got this whole genetic manipulation thing down pat and know exactly what the consequences of using mRNA are going to be, um, you know, it, this is always compared to computer software, computer code, and any computer programmer will tell you there's always errors in computer code. So the idea that it's just going to work perfectly every time when we're creating proteins and we're not quite sure which protein is going to get created and we this is not the same as your DNA would make, but it's kind of similar, so it'll all work out. That's, this is 
It truly is a giant experiment. Well, I have one word for, or not actually three words for you and Aiden Biber and this whole article. Okay. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. <laughs> this vaccine is safe and effective. Well, I mean, the, gov- the like the the mom clip that we played of like the government wouldn't give me, wouldn't recommend something for my child that was harmful. I just can't believe that. So speaking of uh, software uh, having errors, um, and how often would they have errors if they keep comparing the software to the uh, the DNA sequencing and, and then changing the code? Uh, just hit Google News and I searched glitch. And we've got one 15 <laughs> hours ago. Bitcoin briefly crashes to 5,400 on a network glitch. Uh, 13 hours ago, Square Software glitch caused workers to lose uh, out on some tips. Uh, there's a Madden glitch from 22 hours ago. A whole lot of warnings about Destiny 2 glitches this week. A death pa- a death loop patch partially fixes a stuttering glitch on the PC game. Halloween comes early for Pokemon Go with a terrifying skitty glitch. The latest West Virginia cuts vaccination figure <laughs> after count glitch. So uh, technical glitch leaves January 6th. Uh, New Hampshire House votes uncounted. I mean, there's all kinds of glitches out there. There's Sounds glitches like soft- everywhere. Lots of software related yeah. glitches. But the idea that it could happen with, you know, mRNA technology. No. No, come on. Safe and effective. No, safe and effective, man. Safe and effective. You know, we've had computers for, you know, 40, 50 years now since, uh, this, you know, we get personal computers, PC since the late 70s. Software we got in those pretty much perfect. Never any glitches <laughs> there. So yeah. now that we're going right into the much more complicated human genome computer and software program, I don't see a lot of problems. I mean, we, we wrote this this code in a couple of days, Who you know. It's yeah. going to be good. You're going to be fine. Wrote it because it's over and, and afternoon. Not, not only did they create one safe and effective vaccine, they created like, you know, five or six of them, six or seven, depending on who you ask. Of course, it's 100% that everything approved in the U.S. is safe and effective. Those Chinese vaccines might not be any good and, and vice versa. You know, in China, they say, oh, well, those mRNA vaccines are no good, but ours are, are totally fine. Yeah, safe and effective. Yeah. Safe, safe and effective. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing to worry about there. Just the human, the human genome. They, how, and they wrote it in like two hours, right? I'm, I'm having like yeah, a, wrote, wrote the code. They just so happened uh, a couple months before to figure out some tricky piece that had been eluding them, and then magically the perfect um, excuse to create a vaccine for the this coronavirus and for that spike protein part to be used just just magically appeared right on time uh you know not enough time later where you could do further research and see if what they were creating the synthetic spike protein was harmful in any way let's just we'll just use that well i mean attached to humans we can we can use that there's a guy down the street from me who's having a home brew party tonight so everybody can bring over their 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 <laughs> brews that they're working on home brews you know for a couple of hours it's pro- probably pretty similar right everybody's just making making beer at home you can do that in a couple hours right it's the same 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 seriousness uh yeah i i wouldn't 
I wouldn't drink the beer either, to be honest with you. But no, you wouldn't drink homemade <laughs> beer. So I'm thinking no, that I, with, even with the homemade beer, there's got to be like a, it's got to be a failure rate, right? There's got to be some bad beer in there, like out of the out of the home brews. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. It's a good thing though that we got the uh, human genome DNA figured out though, where we can do that. Multiple tries on the beer by the guy down the street. Human <laughs> genome. Totally figured out. Him got it. Got first it down. Try. Nailed Two it. Two hours. Nailed it. <laughs> just because we ha- just because we have to change sixty percent of the proteins to something simpler because we're not sh- quite sure how to make those other those other things that the body makes. You know, genetics, whatever. Well, just, we could boil it down to these three things. It's like the appendix or the gallbladder. I mean, who needs them? Just who take them it? out. Yeah, just come on. Out. What's just leftover from when we were monkeys. What, what was your God? Yeah, it's leftover from your monkeys. That's, that's actually the real. I was saying, what was your God thinking when he made the appendix? But I think you nailed it with the, yeah, it was leftover from the monkeys. They yeah. don't, you know, that's, that's <laughs> nailed it. No, I, it couldn't be that we don't understand what it does yet. No, mm-hmm. that's safe and effective. Yeah. Appendix so... removal, safe and effective. But you know what they always say? They always say, uh, you know, talk to your pharmacist, talk to your doctor. So I, I thought that this was, this was interesting. Uh, this is what the American Board of Pediatrics sent out to pediatricians. Okay. Uh, joint statement. This is from September 9th. Joint statement from the American Board of Family Medicine, American Board of Internal Medicine, and American Board of Pediatrics on dissemination of misinformation by board-certified physicians about COVID-19. The Federation of State Medical Boards, which supports its member state local licensing boards, has recently issued a statement saying that providing misinformation about the COVID-19 vaccine contradicts physicians' ethical and professional responsibilities and therefore may subject a physician to disciplinary actions, including suspension or revocation of their medical license. We at the American Board of Family Medicine, the American Board of Internal Medicine, and the American Board of Pediatrics support the FS. MB's position. We also want all physicians certified by our boards to know that such unethical or unprofessional conduct may prompt their respective board to take action that could put their certification at risk. Expertise matters, and board-certified physicians have demonstrated that they have stayed current in their field, spreading misinformation or falsehoods to the public during a time of public health emergency goes against everything our boards and our community of board-certified physicians stand for. The evidence that we have safe, effective, and widely available vaccines against COVID-19 is overwhelming. We're particularly concerned about physicians who use their authority to denigrate vaccination at a time when vaccines continue to demonstrate excellent effectiveness against severe illness, hospitalization, and death. We look to board-certified physicians to provide outstanding care and guidance, providing misinformation about lethal diseases, unethical, unprofessional, and dangerous. In times of medical emergency, the community of expert physicians committed to science and evidence collectively shares the responsibility for giving the public the most accurate and timely health information available so they can make decisions that work best for themselves and their families. All right. Safe and effective. And, safe and effective. And you know that it's safe and effective because every safe doctor will tell you it's safe and effective because safe and effective. if they tell you it's not safe and effective, they literally are not a doctor anymore because we will pull their license. 
safe and effective. Yeah. So. Anyway, just to, just that unbiased, uh, individually researched medical advice you're getting from your doctor. There it is. Safe and effective. We have time for RFK Jr. connecting anthrax attacks to the current COVID madness. Hey, can we can we can we talk about RFK Jr. for a minute? This sure. man was like this man was like, I'm still fighting these people on these vaccines. But Sirhan Sirhan clearly doesn't know what he is, what he did, or where he did it. Mm-hmm. We should let this man out. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, really. Didn't we play the clip where he talked about his father's assassination? Uh, no, that was on the No Agenda, so I don't believe we talked about it on this show. I th- I oh, maybe it's maybe it is this show. I don't know. Maybe, I remember getting I remember getting the clip because yeah, I've been he, hip to he the. Goes, I mean, we've we've in the last ten years legitimately one thousand percent sure played Sirhan Sirhan <laughs> clips. Yeah. Post well, this, this was assassination. This was more about him. like what actually happened rather than the Patsy Sirhan Sirhan. No, 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 but listening to him, he's like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So, yeah, I don't. Th- either way, it's it's kind of amazing that this man would forgive him like this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's. You know, part of the uh, benefit of these times is that it's more and more clear who the like genuine people are and who the phonies are. So, and I, I would put RFK Jr. in the genuine person. I mean, I'm, I don't agree with him on everything. Uh, I think he's still into the global warming thing, but he's, he's proven enough that even when it comes to uh, assassinations of people in his family, like He's openly said, yeah, pretty, pretty clear government conspiracy going on with my uncle and my dad. So, yeah, ab- absolutely. I think uh, it's hard to hard to say that that's not the case. Yeah. Also, he, he is. He, did you know that his wife is uh, Larry David's wife in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> no, I did not know that. Yeah. Kind of that, that kind actress of, is his wife. Yes. Really? Isn't that you know something? Why? That's a that's a trip. I think it was my wife or somebody pointed that out to me. Like, look at look at her Instagram. She's like, do you notice anything interesting in the background? I'm like, wait, that's Robert Kennedy. He's like, yeah, this is this is his wife. It's like, oh, that's bizarre. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. So this, I thought this so, was interesting. Still this, kind of a left leaning family, kind of, amazingly. <laughs> oh, lots of his family doesn't like him at this point. You know, right. but. Whatever, because he he questioned the vaccines. How dare you question the vaccines? Um, you know, hey, what, Chris, one of the Chris, things Chris Martinson. This is a Chris Martinson clip. So, oh, play the Chris Martinson clip. Well, this is from an interview with Chris Martinson. I think it's the part that we're going to hear is um, all RFK Jr. But if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, look it up on Odyssey. Yeah, Chris Martinson. Clips going around. I had somebody of the Future Quake uh, listeners t- 
type person variety send me something regarding uh regarding him as well so that's definitely he's definitely somebody to to tune into yeah yeah um and i was also going to mention that last clip or that last story you read it's interesting how the the propaganda works both ways on both sides right because Mm -hmm. uh when trump comes out and he says this is fake news you are fake news and he doesn't call on cnn he calls cnn fake news and then all the media goes, ah, we can't be fake news, fake news, we can't be fake news, we're not fake news. And all the Republicans and conservatives and Trump lovers are like, you're totally fake news, this is awesome, we're not going to listen to anything you say because you're fake news. Then the left comes out and they're like, that's just that vaccine misinformation. That's vaccine misinformation, we're not going to listen to you because all you got is a bunch of vaccine misinformation. We're not listening. That's just vaccine misinformation. spreading Vaccine misinformation yeah. should get you banned from the Twitters. Are you and spreading vaccine misinformation right now? Well, it's inf- it's misinformation's an interesting word, right? Because you don't have to prove that it's false, right? Right. It's, it's just like it's misinformation, meaning like not official information. Yeah, just like against the we, the mainstream. We've decided narrative. this is what you will say, and anything other than this is. By definition, misinformation. It's misinformation, Andrew. It's misinformation. You're you're current mainly the whole last year of this show is you just spouting vaccine misinformation, Andrew. Yep, that's pretty much it. So. I go in and do a deep dive on Tony Fauci and Bill Gates. It's called the real Anthony Fauci on Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the global war on democracy and public health. <laughs> I do a deep dive on his life, his career, and how these men really, working with the intelligence agencies, orchestrated this lockstep imposition of totalitarianism on not only in this country, but all across the world, all simultaneously. And people like you and me look at what's happened and said, how did they do this all at once? And how did they all know what to do? And it was very, very heavily orchestrated. And I, you know, I lay out exactly how they planned it. And one of the things they did, I mean, the the key thing they did was they did, people know about this simulation event 201. That seemed, that was Gates' simulation that seemed to perfectly predict everything that was going to happen. Well, they started doing those simulations in in the year 2000 before the anthrax attacks right three months before the anthrax attacks they did one that predicted the anthrax attack and it turns out the anthrax attacks which they blamed on Saddam Hussein and we use that as justification to invade Iraq which had nothing to do with 9-11 had nothing to do with the anthrax attacks but they wanted to you know they wanted to invade Iraq and that it turns out, ultimately, the FBI figured out that that came from a that anthrax did not come from Saddam Hussein. It came from a U.S. Army lab, one of three labs, and the most likely lab the um, the FBI figured out was a lab that was connected to both Tony Fauci and Robert Cadillac. It was the um, it was the Battelle lab. Um, and it was connected to a, a vaccine company called Bioport, owned by a family called the El Hebrides. It's now called Emergent. 
Now, called Emergent, we've talked about them on the show, but uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Fauci's yeah. little connection to the anthrax deal. So that's. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, there's kind of a running joke about uh, the Twin Towers never forget, Building 7 forget, yeah. anthrax forget. Some in- inconvenient truths there. So, another book. Hey, if someone wants to send me that book, that's a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> All these books to read, Tim. We we could. I feel like there's a better way, more efficient way. Yeah. To get books. To get to get books, like uh, order them from Book Depository in the UK. <laughs> It's usually where I, I purchase books from. Not from uh, not from Powell's. No, not Powell's. Powell's became, went from the greatest bookstore on the West Coast to too woke to ever buy anything from. Too too woke to to allow a a local journalist book on their shelves that that spoke ill of Antifa. Yeah. Was that oh was that Andy No? Yeah. They still sell it, but not. They don't allow it in their store. They, they sell, sell it online. online. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was their compromise with Antifa. Yeah. No, I I have nothing against Powell's in particular, but yeah, for whatever reason, the name or whatever, I've bought a few books from Book Depository. Do we want to thank people that have done stuff other than send us books? Let's let's do that. You want to open up the uh, the old spreadsheet there? I guess I can open it up. I'll I'll read today. <clears throat> we'll start first off with people. These are all people who have produced the show by sending us money. You can produce the show by sending us music, art, anything you want, clips. Um, and then what was the one we talked about earlier? Oh, like a like a like a jingle. You can send us a jingle. Yes, send a jingle. So- Let's thank books, these people for producing links. this show. Yes, you, we should have put the book producer into the show, but you didn't. You, you should have. Oh yeah, yeah, we should. Well, she was already a. a Robin was already a recent producer, but yeah, she should get a an additional credit. Yeah, I agree. So for episode, uh, Rev, this is Revelations Radio News episode two forty five. Let's get Robin in there for another producer credit. Thank you very much, Robin, for sending the book to Andrew and taking the up contagion more. myth. Why viruses, including coronavirus, are not the cause of disease? Very interesting read. Absolutely. Um, and then we'll go to uh, James. This is James from Dayton, Ohio. He sent us uh, thirty dollars. Thank you for your courage, sir. Looks like uh, your book is out and on the way. So that is nice. Thank you, James. Um, and then coming in on the 16th, Maverick Pilgrim with the Seek Ye First the Kingdom uh, donation of $6.33. This is a recurring donation that he has coming to us. Maverick Pilgrim from Santa Rosa, California, had some uh, some wise words for us he wanted everybody to hear. And he says... Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom. Here is everyone's monthly reminder to refocus attention on the kingdom of heaven. It's so easy to draw focus away from the things that are of ultimate importance, things that will endure beyond our mortality. 
It is important for our families, both assigned by birth, impartial, and imparted by fellowship to be safe, healthy, and free. But it is the, of ultimate importance to remember that there is a kingdom coming that we will replace the, that will replace the governments and institutions of humans and that the king will not share power uh, and that king will not share the power An encouraging message to the redeemed and ominous threat to those op- uh, opposed. Don't just be on the right side of history, be on the right side of eternity. Excelsior, both of you keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you, Maverick Pilgrim. That's an excellent note. Yes, we can just. I was planning on plagiarizing that for my words of wisdom, but you wrecked my plan. By reading it? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Reading it and claiming it as my own. That was the plan. Well, I didn't know you were going to be so edgy and steal the producer's (laughs) lines. Um, Chris also comes in from Edgerton? 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 I don't know. Missouri. Uh, thank you. Send us 25 bucks. Kyle came in from Kent, Washington with $100. Thank you, Kyle. And he is uh, one of the big donor donors to the show. Thank you very much for always producing the shows. And, of course, Danny came in with 50 bucks from Medford, Oregon. Thank you very much, Danny. Uh, somebody you, recommended that as Danny gets closer and closer to the $1,000 donation level, we're trying to look for a uh, a name for him to achieve. So mm-hmm. that everybody can uh, try to also achieve said uh, said <laughs> name. Somebody also somebody recommended that we do something based on sarcasm, since we're the kings of sarcasm. <laughs> so. Well, we could yeah, we could work something out like uh, you've, re- you've reached thirty third degree sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want to do levels of sarcasm or if sarcasm can be one of the levels to reach. You know, maybe. It's I'd, I'd like to think we're more than sarcasm, but I agree we're no more than sarcasm. But there's some there's some dry humor occasionally, a little bit of <laughs> irony, you know, some unintentional humor. It's all <laughs> all in there. Yeah, but it, this person was not being uh, like critical that we were sarcastic, but like talked about that sometimes we he would have to pull over his car, or he would he would be laughing so hard that he would have to. Uh, Stop what he was doing because That's we made awesome. him laugh, which I think I hope we do more and more of that. As it's well. a, it's a, you know I have to say it's only exceptionally intelligent people that get that get all the jokes on our podcast. So if you think we're funny, it means you're really smart, and if you don't, you're just not that smart. So there you go. Andrew's new email is Andrew Hoffman <laughs> at Proton Mail. I'm just kidding. But anyway. Uh, yeah. You can give out my email on the show. That's fine. Andrew Hoffman. Andrew Hoffman 1776 at protonmail.com. If there you, you want to send me an email. Yeah. Or you can go to revelationsradionews.com backslash contact and then fill out that there and that comes to my email inbox i'll eventually get it to go to his as soon as i figure out how to do that again i have little little time for such things but i'm working on them as i can thank you for all the people that donated if you would like to donate go to revelationsradionews.com backslash support or just go to your favorite browser and type in eugenicswars.com that will bring you right to the donation page you can donate via p.o box paypal or uh crypto we have a crypto donation coming in. At least somebody asked for one of our wallet addresses. So we'll see when that one comes. I have 
not checked the P.O. box in a couple days. I usually check on show day, but didn't get a chance to today. So I will check that for before next week's show. But thank you, everybody, who sent in a little bit of money. Keeps the uh, the, the show going and uh, keeps uh, Andrew uh, from having to buy any books with his own cash. You know, if you send him free books and <laughs> donations, he doesn't have to buy these books. That's right. And then yeah. he can come back and scare us all to death. Like with all the stuff he's read and learned, so it's a yeah. it's a good it's a good use of your money, ladies and gentlemen. You, you know, I I do think long form books probably the way to go versus like social media though. So yeah, I agree. It, it might be just as scary, but at least it's a little more a little more well thought out. Just waiting for the Andrew Hoffman Substacks to come along. I maybe someday, you know, yeah. it, it could happen. So, we could also just make a blog on our, our own website. Just do it right here. Bring them all here. Decentralization. Yeah. Uncancelable. Yes, all all possibilities there, for sure. Thank you guys for producing the show. If you have any jingles or music or anything you want to send us, please do, as well as uh, send us your prayers. We're uh, still battling things over here on the west coast uh, with their individual households and hoping to uh, come to some resolution soon with some different things that we have up in the air and we hope that uh, you guys keep praying for us i appreciate all of you who did and those who are giving us feedback people from uh, australia and iowa and uh, oklahoma and all over the country and the world are calling you know writing in saying here here's how things are here and, and we greatly appreciate that it helps us expand our knowledge which uh, helps us then impart knowledge onto uh, our podcast yeah and if if anyone knows of someone that needs a house in the Cascade Locks area, needs a place to live, send them my way. <laughs> Revelations Radio News discount. And it it really is, you know, I feel the need to get further away from Portland, but it is a nice little bubble here for the time being. So Absolutely. You're not it's not a big city that you're living in there. It's not not too shabby. All right. So, what, and what else real quick, also, if uh, if I owed you a book and we have your address, they went out yesterday. More so, importantly, if you're listening to this show, sorry, the books went out yesterday. That's not more important. Thank you for letting giving us an update on that. But more importantly, in some ways, if you are hoping for a book and have not received one, or have not heard from me. Please let me know. There was a gentleman who donated $100 a couple weeks back for episode 243. His name was Salah and S-A-L-A-H. Uh, we have no address for you. I've emailed and asked for an address. Did not receive one back. So if you're happy not receiving a book, no big deal. If you somehow missed my email, please send an email when you get a chance letting us know what your address is. And we do apologize to a couple of other people uh Syrah and uh a few others whose books went out a little bit late so yes yeah there's been there's been the the whole vaccine mandate handed out by Biden uh, really man, has, we, yeah we've we had to fire the whole staff the whole staff is gone so the whole back office yeah. is gone so yeah it's come down to just me and Andrew having to uh to get the funds and then ship out the book and then and, get the address and and all that stuff so but it, a a blessing and we yeah. should not take these, you know, I have still not been forced or even asked to put on a mask in the post office when I go to mail these books. So these books true. have been mailed. 
mask free. And thank you to the uh, local people who have decided that they're not the federal government or Kate Brown's mask police. So yeah, that's great. That's great because the the post office should be federal, so it should be the same in every every place. Well, good deal. All right, moving on. Anything else we got to make sure to cover before we get out of here? Uh, nothing in particular. No, we've we're. I thought this would be a short show, and we went long again. But <laughs> well, uh, so I I like the feedback we got about like, hey, I like the new like two hour and forty minute format. It's like, well, that was not like a a meeting. A decision we made just but anyway <laughs> uh the facebook files i do recommend that sh- that i'll throw that in the show notes but this was uh from the wall street journal it was uh it's a multi-part story about facebook and just how kind of crazy they are uh facebook files facebook inc knows in acute detail that its platforms are riddled with flaws that cause harm often in ways only the company fully understands that is the central finding of Wall Street Journal series based on a review of internal Facebook documents, including research reports, online employee discussions, and drafts of presentations to senior management. This is a multi-part, let's see how many, five articles from different uh, journalists at the Wall Street Journal and other places uh, who go in, and I'll at least give the titles of those, but these are some good reads. Yeah, give, uh, give the titles there. Those are good. Facebook says it uh, its rules apply to all company documents reveal there's a secret elite that's exempt. <laughs> uh, second article, Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for many teen girls, company documents show. Uh, number three, Facebook tried to make its platform a healthier place. It got angrier instead. Number four, Facebook employees flag drug cartels and human traffickers, and the company's response is weak, documents show. How Facebook hobbled, hobbled Mark Zuckerman's bid to get America vaccinated. So oh, uh, please. that last story kind of, uh, you know, but I, I think vaccinations the, must be good. <laughs> yeah, but the flaw, the flaws are evident regardless of the position. And it actually got so bad. There was another article that came out last week from the Daily Mail, which I know not the greatest source of, of shows or excuse me, of articles. But. The title of this was pretty interesting. Apple threatened to remove Facebook from the App Store in 2019 over human traffickers in the Middle East using the site as Instagram and sex slave markets report claims. So uh, Facebook kind of looked the other way as uh, some of these uh, rich oil sheiks were using Instagram as uh, a way to, to shop for Shop for uh, people and get them brought over there. And then we're outright trading and human trafficking with uh, some other stuff that followed. And Facebook was like, yeah, seems fine. Yeah, it's cool. They bought some advertising. It's all seems, good. Seems fine. Oh. Anyway, um, you have to take us out on something mildly more positive and give us uh, some Andrew Hoffman words of wisdom. All right. Well, I won't read the article because it wasn't. The, especially the the title, but that same website uh, with all wisdom had an article about uh, Down syndrome birth rate falling more than fifty percent in Europe. That is a very sad headline, sad fact. The reason is that there's more standard genetic testing, which is telling 
expectant mothers, hey, it's terrible. Your baby has Down syndrome. They will, you know, it, they'll make your life miserable. They'll barely even be able to live themselves. You should just abort them. And they do. Iceland aborts almost 100%. And then in the rest of Europe, it is um, quite substantial. So it looks like about half of them at this point. Um, but from the article, which is arguing, you know, the correct side, the Christian side, that this should not be happening, people with Down syndrome have a right to exist. A couple interesting stats in here. Uh, let's see. This was a, a Harvard study found that 99% of people with Down syndrome said they were happy with their lives, and nearly 99% said they loved their families. So, <laughs> if you, you know, if you want a kid with that is happy with their lives and loves their families, um, also seems to just innately have a relationship with God, Down syndrome kid, not such a bad thing. So, Absolutely, yeah. That was one of the weird parts of the whole Texas is going to outlaw abortion situation. A bunch of people took to Twitter and yeah. know, were wa- waxing poetic about how it's great to, to have abortion and if we stop abortion. I mean, health care for women. Then uh, we're... we're There'll be a, all, a yeah, they society. won't know that their kid has Down syndrome. And they won't be able to abort them. No, yeah. it was it was even it was kind of even worse than that. It says I'm worried that if if this goes into place, that uh, the United States will become an outlier in Western nations and have an extreme increase in uh, Down syndrome birth rate. Yeah. And so, so there's <laughs> yeah, there's saying is. Yeah, that is good to good to get rid of them. And kill this, the babies that are. Down syndrome. Yeah. So we we've talked about that. So obviously it's as a as the parent of a now five year old with Down syndrome, um, you know, truly an absolute blessing. Um, yeah. So they deserve to live uh, just as much as the rest of us. Put it that way. Amen, brother. They absolutely do. Well, I wanted to let you know that I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the work that you do for the show. I appreciate all of the hard work and that you do in the preparation. I appreciate all the listeners out there praying for us, and I appreciate them all listening to us. I want to remind everybody that it, that podcasts are safe and effective ways of deprogramming yourself from the mainstream media. That's right. They are safe and effective ways to deprogram yourself from the mainstream media. And uh, encourage you to go listen to other podcasts, not just this one. And also remind you that you don't even necessarily listen to any podcasts at all. Just read the word of God, turn off your phone, and sit alone in silence for at least an hour a, a week. And uh, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, safe and effective prayer. It's always safe and effective to pray. Safe safe and effective. It it truly is, unless you're driving, maybe. You keep your yeah. eyes open. But, yeah, just don't uh, close your eyes. Other- other than that, yeah, I feel confident big, in the yeah. safety big, and effectiveness of prayer. Not a big fan of the laying in bed, praying. Effective, you know, definitely safe, maybe not effective. You know, just mind starts to wander, I fall asleep. So, 
safe but not effective so <laughs> the upright prayer much more much more safe and effective that's it we'll end it right there goodbye a copy of this podcast as well as links to each story covered are available at revelationsradionews.com to contact andrew and tim or to support revelations radio news please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the contact tab or support tab Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say Three hours later. (laughs) Is it really? Two and a half.